Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Hello! Back with brain science. <laughs> Today is the brain's cortisol control hub. It's going to make a lot more sense in just a moment. So what the heck is cortisol control hub? <laughs> well, if you listened to the last episode and episode before that, and if you haven't, I'd recommend you go do that. But we talked about these partners in crime, the amygdala and the hippocampus, how the amygdala is like the threat detection system, smoke detector of the emotion, emotional brain. And the hippocampus is the memory system. So motions directly impact memory. And I call them the partners. I call them partners in crime because they work very closely together in controlling emotional responses and memory. But today we're talking about the hypothalamus. <laughs> I swear I'm going to keep it short because these terms and these words and these scientific things are advanced, but I'm going to try and break them down for you because they are so important to know. And once you start to learn about them, I hope you get as fascinated about them as I do, because learning about your brain and the emotions and how you have the power to control them and to manage them and change them. That is a big thing to be able to do a big superpower to be able to have in your life. Okay. So the hypothalamus, I call it the cortisol control hub, but we'll get to why that is later. First, some fun science facts. <laughs> very part, very tiny part of your brain. It makes up less than 1% of your brain's weight. It's literally the size of like a bee. And um, conversations about this hypothalamus date back to the second century AD. Whoa. We've been talking about it for a while, which is crazy that so many of us don't know about it, <laughs> but regardless of its size, this tiny part of the brain is central and imperative to many bodily functions from regulating emotional responses to motor skills, to your blood pressure. So it's, it's major functions really rotate around what I call the two H's hormones and homeostasis. <laughs> so hormones like cortisol, your stress response hormone and oxytocin, the love chemical, and then homeostasis, which is just kind of maintaining your body's neutralization or equilibrium state, like feeling calm essentially. So this hypothalamus will detect changes in the body and it will stimulate the release of hormones from glands and organs in your body. And the result is the hypothalamus regulating several of these bodily processes like emotional regulation. So think about it this way. Um, the hypothalamus is the key that turns our emotions into physical responses. 
So too much cortisol, that stress hormone means your hypothalamus is activated more than it should be. And then what we suffer from is chronic stress. So if you have a stressful situation later, when you're no longer stressed, you'll keep releasing higher and higher and higher levels of cortisol in order to have an appropriate stress response or response to that stress. And this cycle can eventually lead to more cortisol, more cortisol, more cortisol, which leads to depression, anxiety disorders, heart disease, and lots of other things that no one really wants in their life. So we want to keep that stress response baseline low, our hypothalamus, not from being overactivated, but it's the brain stress response system. Man, they have a complex relationship, but the good news is that you've got some level of control over this. And so do kids. If we teach them before the situation gets to critical volume, you can practice some of these emotional and body regulation tips to keep your hypothalamus from becoming activated. Because remember, we're talking here about emotional regulation and bodily processes. One is sleep. Use like the sleep day light and night light cycles to your advantage. Make sure you're getting seven and a half hours of sleep. Kids, it depends on what their age is and what the recommendation is for each age group. But um, the more we try and stay awake late at night, the worse off we are because go back to those, you know, hormones and chemicals during the day, when the sun's out, our body and brain produces serotonin, happy, calm chemical, because during the day we needed to be alert. We needed to be awake. We needed to do work. Um, hunter gatherers stay, stay alive, hunt and gather food and <laughs> all those things. So then when it would get dark out, the body started to produce melatonin, which puts us into a more groggy sleep related state. So if we keep trying to use artificial lights to stay awake, uh, late into the night, deep into the melatonin state, it's going up against our body's natural system and ways of being. And I'm not saying go to sleep when it gets dark, depending on where you are and <laughs> time of year, it gets dark at five o'clock, but using that to slow down because we try and kind of turn our systems on or try to like falsely produce that serotonin when it is darker at night. It's, it's really taking a lot of energy from the body. And that means that, um, we are then probably going to become somewhat dysregulated in terms of other areas and emotions. Another easy one is body temperature. Make sure your body temperature is optimal. Um, preferably like 68 to 73 degrees at temperature, external temperature is ideal for most of us. Uh, so if you can't get the temperature in the room to be in that range, then put more layers on. I know for me, um, in the winter, if I'm on the East coast, especially like mid coast, Pennsylvania, Maryland, DC, uh, I have many layers on and I like, uh, will only wear very thick and heavy sweaters and hats and wool socks. And you would not see me with like any skin exposed at all. <laughs> come definitely come November and probably not again until April. Um, because when my body is, when any of our bodies are, are too overly focused on getting warm or staying cool, uh, then that causes disruption to well, it causes our hippocampus, our, our hypothalamus to become activated. It turns on the bodily functions. It says, do this to keep this person awake or alive. <laughs> We're all, you know, so, so preventing that system from turning on. 
by keeping your body temperature at bay and eating regulation. So not overeating, not undereating. Cause again, your body is focused on safety. So if you're hungry, it's going to focus on getting your food. If it's you know, overfull, it's going to focus on your digestion. So a lot of that waste energy and turns on the hypothalamus. We don't want to do that. So making sure that we're getting the right amount of food, keeping our body temperature, optimal temperature, and make sure we get enough sleep. And we're kind of sleeping as closely as we can to the sleep wake cycles. That is all I'm going to say about the hypothalamus pea-sized dose of information to not overwhelm you. Short and sweet episode. Probably best to go back and listen to this one. But um, fascinated because we do have some level of control over whether this thing turns on or off and it's provided and designed and created for, for, for good reason. Um, but here in today's world, we tend to activate it more than we really should. And then it becomes uh, overstimulated. So Let's go to today's listener question, which is what do you do when a client isn't open to trying any coping skills when they're experiencing those big behaviors? So maybe this therapist, maybe this is um, a teacher, maybe this is even a parent that's trying to get kids to work on coping skills and they aren't using them. They're refusing. The first thing I would do is I would build trust. If I don't have trust from the child then they're not going to want to please me, maintain the relationship, all these things that would get them to do the coping skills in the first place. The next thing I would do is try and get some buy-in and maybe with the science behind why, because you don't talk to kids about why, why do I need coping skills? Why or how are they going to impact these behaviors? Why do I need to care about this? Why do I need my behaviors to change? Like the, the, the why behind these things gives kids motivation to want to do these things. So give a little bit more information. And even, you know, young kids, they like the science and they appreciate hearing it. We just need to break it down for them. And then really help these kids to see, because they can't always see into the future like we can, or they don't have the ability to kind of plan ahead quite as far as we do and see the result of certain behaviors. So give them kind of guidance and evidence that what they are currently doing isn't working, remind them of, you know, what's not working and, help them to see if they continue to do this, where it might land them. We don't know for sure because we can't actually see the future fully, but why this change could result in landing in this other place that might be a better place to land. Um, and depending on you know age, that would not be appropriate conversation, but for like a, a teen, intermediate school, middle school, it definitely could and would be. I think the biggest thing here is you've got to help them understand why you want them to do these things and find motivation for them to do it. So change the coping skills, let them have some choice, let them come up with their own, let them do some research, whatever it is, find ways to help them find the motivation behind this. To wrap up the show, I'm going to share with you one of the try at home tips that I hate, <laughs> but it is scientifically so effective. I just, I don't like to be cold. And I think I shared an example of this earlier, but Oh, I got the chills just thinking about this. I haven't even said it yet. Um, regulating your nervous system, going back to that state of homeostasis and equilibrium with ice baths or cold showers. Oh, my spine is like tingling just thinking about this. Um, I think part of it, the reason I, I hate them is because I have lived on the East Coast for so much of my life and it gets so cold here and I, I'm just always cold. I don't like to be cold, but I will say when I have been in like the Southwest U S where it's like desert and hot, I love these things. Like they feel good. And 
where I will access on the most and where I like can tolerate them is, you know, do like a sauna trip or a sauna day or a sauna hour and do a sauna where I get really, really hot. My body temperature goes way up and then I get a cold shower. I get an ice path and then I can handle it. But why am I recommending this? It, it resets your nervous system. It's a really good way to put you back in homeostasis. So it may or may not sound fun to you, but not all good things are fun and not all helpful um, strategies that we know work based on research are um, things that really feel good to us, at least not in the moment. Um, it will feel good to your body and your system later. So I have a feeling you won't regret it. I mean, in the moment you'll regret it, but maybe not later. If you really want to learn more about this, Wim Hof has a whole bunch of research on um, like cold therapy. All right, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> that's that's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember to try today's try at home tip, which is a nice bath or a cold shower, but make sure you have something warm before or after that. And if you'd like me to answer a question of yours on a future show, shoot me an email podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or send me a text 717-693-7744. Also send me a text if you did go to a nice bathhouse or cold shower or whatever, and let me know how you liked it. And uh, don't forget to lock in what you learned today. Lots of sciencey stuff. Great way to do this. Share it with someone else text someone else, voice memo it to someone else, or leave me a comment below with your biggest takeaway. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thank you for giving me your time. Mm-hmm.